This is a Federal News Network podcast. Each year, the Federal Managers Association honors one of its own as Manager of the Year. Joining me next is this year's honoree. She's Director of Policy and Systems for the Railroad Retirement Board, Kimberly Price. Ms. Price, good to have you on. Thank you so much, Tom. It's good to be here. And congratulations on this award. Why don't we begin with the Railroad Retirement Board? Just briefly tell us what exactly it does. It's an old agency, and I'm not sure everyone remembers the details. Yes, it is. The Railroad Retirement Board is one of just a handful of agencies not headquartered in the D.C. corridor, very much like the CDC that is in the news today, which is in Atlanta. The Railroad Retirement Board is headquartered right here in Chicago, Illinois, the railroad capital of the world. We are a very small agency that serves a very unique segment of the U.S. population, those that work in the rail industry, those members and their families. We call ourselves pretty much the first cousin to the Social Security Administration. Both the Railroad Retirement Board as well as the Social Security Administration were born out of President Roosevelt's New Deal legislation. The railroad industry being a very old industry dating back to the mid-1800s, could not wait for the implementation of the Social Security Act to be administered, being one of the key differences of that act compared to the Railroad Retirement Act was that the Social Security Act at the time would not recognize any service prior to 1937. And again, because the rail industry dated back to the mid-1800s, those pension systems that they had were in dire need of reform, and that critical component of not recognizing that service before 1937 made it a necessity that the rail industry develop their own pension plan under the Railroad Retirement Act, separate and apart from the Social Security Administration at that time with the Social Security Administration's Act. All right. And you are the current Director of Policy and Systems for the board. Tell us what that job entails. The job as the Director of Policy and Systems entails managing a group of approximately 60-plus analysts, business analysts, policy analysts who work with our IT department primarily creating requirements to revise our current mainframe or PC-based programs that we use to implement two acts that we administer here at the Railroad Retirement Board. The first act that I mentioned earlier, the Railroad Retirement Act, which is basically the first cousin to the Social Security Act, as well as the Railroad Unemployment Insurance Act, which was an act that was passed later on. Real employees do not apply or receive state unemployment benefits. They come to the federal government for those benefits as well. So we, again, work with our IT department on managing those systems and maintaining those systems for the implementation and payment of those benefits under both of those acts. We also write and analyze regulations and procedures for our claims examiners here at headquarters and in our field offices for the implementation of those benefits, providing policies, procedures, forms that are used for our constituents in terms of applications or anything else that we need for the administration of those acts. So basically, we have our hands in anything and everything that it takes to create that payment file that we send to the Department of Treasury for those payments on a daily and monthly basis. And is your information technology still in the steam locomotive era, or are you bringing it up to diesel-electric standards? Well, we actually have a foot in both worlds as we speak. We have recently migrated all of our PC applications to Microsoft's Azure Cloud, and we are in the midst, as we speak, of taking our IBM mainframe to the cloud as well. Got it. So just a quick detail on that. Are you moving the applications as they are, or do you have to recompile them, rewrite them, 
refactor them, or how do you get them to run in the cloud okay? We have been advised, and again, this, we are in the very early stages in terms of the involvement of my staff, although our IT staff has long been involved in it, but it has been told and explained to us that it would be the same as if we were unplugging our on-prem mainframe and plugging in a new one. So there are no code changes that we're expecting to our existing COBOL programs. So it is truly a lift and shift. We just have to test and make certain we still have connectivity, that our navigation still works, and that, of course, our batch processing still works as it currently does in our current physical mainframe world. We're speaking with Kimberly Price. She's Director of Policy and Systems for the Railroad Retirement Board and recipient of the Manager of the Year Award from the Federal Managers Association. And you sound like someone pretty dedicated to public service. Fair to say, and and what drives you to have that enthusiasm? We are a very small agency, and as I mentioned in another interview a few short days ago, because our agency is so small and we don't have the same resources as well as uh, large staffs, we have to get it done. There's no one else to do what we do but us. There's nobody that we can hide behind. So our successes and our failures are very public. So that being the case almost to a person, customer service is everything to us not only with the constituents that we serve in terms of the real population and their families, but also real employers as well. And we get very high marks in terms of customer service from both our constituents, both on the management side with real employers as well as on the constituent side with railroad annuitants and active employees as well. Sure, and railroad annuitants of a generation ago or before that probably had very different ways of life than current and future annuitants. So are you able to update the methodologies by which you serve them to reflect the changes of times where people are more online, perhaps more tech savvy? We have most of our unemployment and sickness benefits available for them online, and we are working fast and furiously to bring our retirement community online as well. But again, given our resources, it is somewhat of a challenge, but we are working toward that goal. And your award from the FMA noted that you have been at the agency since 1990. And I guess I'm asking, given the comings and goings of the political leadership in the government as a career federal employee yourself, what would you say to an incoming political with respect to the care and feeding of the federal workforce? While the figureheads may change, the mission of the agency remains the same. And our career employees, we all have the same mission, the same drive and the same commitment to serving our public. So we've seen many board members come and go, but in terms of career employees, it doesn't matter to us. We we know what we have to do, and we continue to do it with the same level of enthusiasm and dedication. And what got you into public service in the first place? I had previous aspirations when I was in college of going to law school, and at the same time, when I immediately graduated from college, I was just a little tired, and I wanted a break. And this just came up during... I guess what kids would call a gap year, the term that they use where they want to take that year off. And this opportunity presented itself. And I never imagined when I started in 1990 that I would still be here, that I would not have gone to law school and my career just took off. And after a while, life just takes off and life just takes over. And at one point when I did think about going back to school for a degree in public administration, I was married, I had a kid. And at that point, the question became, whose education means more to me, mine or my child's? And I got some advice from a very dear mentor who told me, at this point in your career, it's probably more important for you to pay for your daughter's education than for yours. You'll be fine from a career standpoint. And she turned out to be absolutely right. 
so that's my story, and that's how I ended up staying here all of these years. <laughs> Got it. And you are getting high marks from the FMA for your leadership capabilities and your ability to mentor people. What have you learned? What, what are some of the secrets to keeping that staff motivated that you mentioned? Respect people for what they know. Treat people as adults and not to micromanage. And I believe all of that really was just born out of a result of the fact that we are, in fact, so small that there's really just not enough time. Because we're so small, we are just so strapped for resources, there's not enough time to micromanage. And we've become so specialized in what we do and what we know. You have to respect people for what they know and given the opportunity to express what they know and to do their jobs on their own. I think that people will rise to the occasion for the most part each and every time given the opportunity. Kimberly Price is Director of Policy and Systems for the Railroad Retirement Board and recipient of Manager of the Year Award from the Federal Managers Association. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom, so much for having me. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader. All of these are backward-looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today, 
we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing, like never before, on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. I've led, this is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.